0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law hey trojan fans it's time to get into the huddle with the peristyle podcast the peristyle podcast is your weekly ticket to usc football and recruiting news don't forget you can download
1: the podcast 24 7 at our website com.
0: and now Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. USC Spring Football 2023 kicked off on a Sunday. A little bit weird starting date, but we're going to talk about USC going into spring football with the coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his co- all of his content. If you have questions, comments, concerns for the show, you can email us, podcast at USCfootball.com, or call or text us at 424-254-914. When we got a voicemail for you a little bit later on the show, you can send us a text to that number as well. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, please follow the Paracel Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We really appreciate that, and it does help grow the show. And you know, you got a friend that loves USC football. We are getting into it with all the USC football content this uh, spring, so make sure you tell them about the Peristyle Podcast and get them involved as well. We love getting the coach involved. He's on the line right now. Coach, how you doing, sir?
1: Ryan, I'm doing great. Uh, it's uh, a little nippy. No rain. Clear. Game day. Getting ready for the Big Ten. I guess that's the way you say it. It's Big Ten weather.
0: It is Big Ten weather around here. It's a little chilly. I'm in the studio right now, and, uh, yeah, it's a little chilly outside. It rained a bunch yesterday. It's been – we're getting some weird weather. It's funny. I had a chance to chat with uh, Benny Wiley a little bit. Um, We put up the interview over on uscfootball.com or notes from the interview in our war room last week, and he kind of liked that. One of the aspects of what he wanted to get done, Coach, was – building up the toughness of this team and when you get to practice and you know they're doing these workouts at six in the morning and it's hailing or you know we had hail last week in LA I think that helps you know it, it kind of like gets you toughened up he mentioned the same thing that it's big big 10 weather so I don't know did you ever do that you know when you're coaching in Vegas uh hoping for some bad weather to, to have the players uh, work out in
1: you no know, I, I used it a lot of recruiting I used to said say somewhere in the world that's hotter than vegas that's why we'll practice in vegas and that's why we'll schedule our games in the afternoon in vegas and uh when i used to talk about recruiting i'd say why would you want to go there uh, if you like it up there at laramie if you like it up there at colorado why don't you just go down to one of the markets around town and sit in their freezer i said that'd be a pretty good idea i'd come by and see you and i say how are you pretty happy in there and, uh, you know, I could use that. But, yeah, it's quite a difference uh, as far as uh, playing in the heat or playing in the cold. And you use that as an advantage for you as far as I remember we played our championship game at uh, Utah State. And they came out and warmed up in short sleeve jerseys with them cut off. You know, when you used to cut off the jerseys, my guys had never seen snow and so on. They looked like they were going camping with all these gloves and everything <laughs> they had on. So I told him, when we went back in, I'd say, you take all that stuff off. Because when they came out for warm-ups, they intimidated us. Because uh, our guys are freezing, and they're running around in short sleeves. So uh, we had to sort of come back, and thank God, goodness we won that football game. But it was, a, you know, a lot of weather, a lot of different situations. You, you got to used to it.
0: Where, where was that one, Coach, and who were you playing?
1: Logan, Utah. Logan, Utah. Utah State. Oh, yeah. And we played up there, and I remember that morning, we were having a uh, our pregame, and the snow was coming down. You couldn't even see outside. If They were talking about a blizzard coming through. So I came down in my shorts and a T-shirt, and I walked out the door and went for a jog. And about 30 minutes later, I came back. I had snow all over me and so on. And, you know, our kids looked at me, and, and they said, if that old man can go out... <laughs> and running this thing. We ought to be able to play in this. And uh, I sort of passed on a message to them without saying anything, you know?
0: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And uh, it felt like, you know, talking to Benny Wiley, they're you know, kind of passing on a message that they're out there at 6 in the morning and it's unseasonably cold and rainy, which we don't really get in Los Angeles. And kind of, you know, it's... A, I guess anything that you can throw a curveball, you don't get into a routine, you can do a little different, you know? And if if the players are fine... You know, running gassers or do whatever they're doing, all these conditioning drills when it's like mild weather at 6 in the morning versus cold and rainy, uh, I guess you kind of get their attention a little bit.
1: You do, and you need to do that. You really do, because all of a sudden you find out that uh, rain isn't going to kill you, it isn't going to hurt you. You shower in it, you swim in it, you look at it, you do all these different things. All you need to do is learn to play in it. And if you wear the right cleats and call the right plays, Run the right defenses. Uh, you get used to it, but there's only certain things you can do in certain kind of type of conditions and field conditions that will hurt you if you try to do things that you can't do.
0: Yeah. Well, the uh, winter workouts are done. Those off-season workouts. Uh, we are now into spring football, and we, there's been one practice. It was uh, Sunday morning. Uh, there will be another practice on Tuesday, and then one on Wednesday where the media will actually get to watch them and do some interviews. But Sundays was closed. Tuesdays was closed. W- will be closed, and then we'll uh, be able to see the team for the first time Wednesday. The new numbers are out. We did a tunnel vision show Sunday night. If you want to, we kind of went through some of the numbers and position changes and all that kind of stuff. But coach, for you, before we jumped in, um, you know, I, one of the things you mentioned right before we went to air was about is the honeymoon over, and I thought that was a really good point um, for spring football, just kind of tell me about what you mean by that and then what your sort of expectations are to see out there for USC this spring.
1: Well, you know, sort of last year when Lincoln Riley and his new staff came in, it was sort of a marriage, you know, it was everybody was getting together and everybody was going to have a nice reception and everybody's accepted USC the new football program, the change in the coaching staff, everything was just positive and it's always positive when you make a coaching change but then now you set the stage for 11 and 3 record you set the stage for what needs to be improved and what you did well and you won a heisman trophy and all of the above and now people expect more so does that mean that the honeymoon's over now you've got to start raising the kids you've got to raise the standards You've got to start uh, getting better at things that you need to do to be able to win a Pac-12 championship, which hasn't been accomplished at SC for a while. And if you're talking about going to the playoffs, then you got to really get better in a lot of areas that we talked about. So the honeymoon now is over. The first year now of your marriage and getting started with new recruits and returning recruits and uh, the party and the challenges that are going to be facing USC. and. Uh, the publicity that USC has had, to do coaching changes in the Pac-12. I mean, everybody's coming after Trojans. uh, Washington's a better football program. Everybody's mad at them this year because they're leaving the conference along with UCLA, and they've screwed up everything by doing this, uh, causing the Pac-12, what's the future of the Pac-12. So, you know, now they've got to gear up and leave it in in great style and prove to the Pac-12 that, hey, this is why we're leaving, because we're better than you. And uh, we want to play at a different level. And, you know, the most embarrassing thing would be if you were to leave now after this year and you didn't have a great year. That would be a little bit embarrassing. So, you know, I think you've got to get better. You've got to be positive. Your fans are expecting more. So I call it, hey, guys, the honeymoon's over. It's time for us to get after it. I'm not introducing myself anymore to you. You don't get a second or third chance at making a mistake. You're a returner. It's time now. We go out and we play some football.
0: Yeah, time to go play some football. And I, that's a really good point, um, coach. With uh, it would be embarrassing if you kind of go out and on a bad note. And you know, you had two years, one one eleven win, um, you know, season, and you didn't win the Pac twelve. And if you don't win it again, it's sort of like you're limping into the Big Ten. It's, it's some of it's just momentum, right? Like building some momentum to go into the Big Ten. If uh, if you get worse in year two. Um, things are only going to get ramped up uh, when you get to the Big Ten. So, yeah, I I think it's like that's a good point. I mean, you want to – there's a lot of pressure on this season, not just to improve on what you did in year one, but to set yourself on the right path to go into the Big Ten.
1: You're exactly right. And the Big Ten is looking forward for your arrival. Believe me, they are. Uh, They want to prove to you that they are a better conference. And when they come to Southern California to either play in the Coliseum or the Rose Bowl, they're going to be fired up. But a lot of these teams haven't been to Southern California for a long time. When's the last time Minnesota played in the Rose Bowl? When's the last time Iowa played in the Coliseum? Hey, I'm telling you, this is going to be a a big uh, event for them, a big travel event for them, a special travel event for them. And when they come to town back there, there's not much else going on in those cities, so it's almost like a mini Rose Bowl game for them. So this is going to be uh, where you really have to now do a lot of improving, not embarrass yourself, and be ready to represent yourself in Southern California and why you made the decision to go to the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, I'm sure the, the those schools in the Big Ten are ready to kind of teach the L.A. schools something about Midwest football, right? So, uh, it's yeah there's, exactly. a lot. yeah, there's a lot riding on this season. Um, but just any, you know, we, we haven't got to see anything yet for spring football, uh, practice. They are, there are, it's kind of weird cause they're going to take almost a two week break, you know, going from Wednesday practice and then they have a week off for spring break and then they come back on the following, um, Tuesday, but kind of any thoughts on so, sort of the way spring practice is set up coach.
1: Well, it's sort of weird. I don't think I've ever seen that before where you practice three ga- that days, uh, during the week and then give them 12 days off. To me, I look at it and I say, "Man, you wasted your three days." Because by the time you bring these guys all back, they're going to forget what you went over the first three days. So, what I think this basically is the first three days. I think it's going to be a mini camp. I think it's going to be like the NFL mini camp, where they're going to evaluate all their personnel, new personnel, freshmen that are in there. Everything. Make sure uh, they get tape on all of them. And they're going to make sure that they place them in the right positions before they come out and do it in other practice. They want to get their players on the football field. And they want to evaluate them. And that will give them a a period of time to evaluate them, make sure they're in the right positions. They don't want to waste practicing players at a position where they may not play. And if they have three good practices and evaluate their new players, and they got a lot of new players, including freshmen, then they've got to be able to do that and utilize it. And when they come back, make sure they're in the right positions and go. Like, who's going to be the weak side linebacker? Who's going to be a strong side linebacker? Who's the best edge guy? Who's the best down guy? Who's going to be, you know, a running back that does this or that or whatever? Uh, where's Branch going to play? Uh, is he going to be an outside guy or inside guy? Well, you're going to be able to evaluate all this uh, during the three day period and then have 10 days or so to evaluate it and when they come back put them in the right position that's the only reason that would be the only reason unless they have a spring break in there too that would be the only reason i would break these practices down like that i have no other reason because it almost is like you're wasting three days
0: yeah no, i think it's a good theory though coach of of what they're doing because there are uh, you know i think there's uh i believe it's a, a you know 10 early enrollees and 11 transfers, but there's, you know, like 20 new players that are going to be out there uh, on the practice field and just sort of getting like a mini camp where you kind of get a feel for what you have and you have some time to kind of go over things and then really lock in for the last four weeks of what you want to see from these new guys. It's like, you know, you get, you get a glimpse of them and you're like, okay, well, we really want to see him here or we want to see this guy over there. So yeah, maybe that's kind of the reasoning, um, you know, behind uh, what Lincoln Riley is doing there. The, uh, before we get to questions and stuff, I just kind of want to get your thoughts. What do you, when you go out there and check out practice, um, is there one area of the team that you really want to look at and observe and uh, you know where, where the, you think the USC coaches kind of need to put the most emphasis?
1: Well, I'll tell you, Ryan, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to be there Wednesday too. And the uh, first thing I'm going to do is, uh, I don't know where you're going to be standing, but I'm going to be standing right by the gate, okay? I don't care if I get in practice or not the first portion. I'm not going to fill out all the paperwork if they're coming on the field. I want to eyeball with a roster every single player that comes in. I want to look at him. I want to look at his body shape. I want to look at the length of his arms, his hands, size of his hands. I want to look and see what he looks like in a uniform. Uh, If he looks me in the eyes or he's looking straight ahead, Uh, I I want to evaluate them all. I do. I like that. Or if I say, hi, how you doing? Does he answer me or not? And if the coaches, when they run by, if they say, hey, good afternoon, guys, or how you doing? I want to get the real feel of an atmosphere if they like that we're there. And we're going to watch him. And this is a big practice on Wednesday. And and I'm going to look at every single player. I'm going to have Chuck Hayes with me. He's going to read me off every number that he sees coming especially the new players. Like, I want to see Lucas up close. I want to see some of these guys up close, the linemen from Florida and so on. But, you know, I watched Florida play last year. They didn't really impress me that much. They didn't run the football that well, whatever. I want to watch these guys. I want to eyeball these guys, okay? Yes, they played in the Southeastern Conference, but that's not everything. That impresses me, but yet you got to be able to play and win in the Southeastern Conference like the running back from South Carolina, I like him on film. I think he's a good back, but I want to see him and eyeball him. So the first thing I'm going to do is eyeball all the players coming through the gate, okay? And when they come through the gate uh, and so on, then I guess we got our 20 minutes or whatever it is to go in the gate, and then I don't know where we're going to be able to roam or what we're going to be if we're going to be back in the playpen or if we're going to have enough you know, uh, room to walk up and down the field and see different groups. Then, of course, I'm going to try to watch the athletic ability of the new players. I'm going to try to get an evaluation as close as I can to the new players rather than the returning players. Because I, I have a feeling on them a little bit. I want to see, can these guys really help? Are they really better than what's returning As far as for the 15 or 20 minutes I have an opportunity to watch them, which is not very much time, as you know. And then I'll sort of put my own feelings together. uh, Do do I think they have better personnel? Are these guys bigger, stronger, and so on? Are they going to be better on the defensive side of the football? And, And so on. And again, that's not a lot of time to evaluate anything. But that's what I'm going to try to do in the 15 or 20 minutes that we are practice on Wednesday.
0: That's great, Coach. Uh, it'll be good to just see them out in their uniforms, what they look like, how they just how they walk in, like all of that. Like you said, I'm looking forward to uh, doing that as well. Um, all right, why don't we take a quick break and we will come back and answer a few questions. We'll do just kind of a short show today, but I want to kind of get everyone uh, let everyone know about Coach's thoughts about USC uh, starting spring football. So back in a minute. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Coach, let's start it off with a voicemail.
1: This question is for Ryan and the coach. Harvey, hi. Coach, how would you handle judging your defense at USC in spring this year as a head coach when they're going against the best offense in college football with a wizard at quarterback. How can, I mean, they should always beat our defense, no matter how good the defense is. So what kind of things do you look for in the spring for improvement? Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, I think the first thing I'd work on is tackling. I would be a tackling football team. I'd be one that wanted to deliver the blow, not take the blow. I'd be one to want to wrap up and make sure the guy goes to the ground and let somebody else do the stripping portion of it. I would want to eliminate the extra yards that players get against us by missed tackles or not tackling the proper way. I would practice tackling live in the real situation. Uh, I wouldn't worry about, really, I hate to say this about injuries. I, I, we don't want injuries, but how do you learn to play the game of football and tackle? By doing a live in an open field or a closed area and teaching people how to do that, teaching quarterbacks how to slide, teaching people how to avoid injury, teaching people not to target people so they don't beat yourself. And you beat yourself when you miss tackles, you beat yourself when you target and get penalties. And uh, you can't lose a quarterback uh, as far as an injury. Uh, like, you know, the the Heisman Trophy winner you have, I'd make sure he's protected all the time. He doesn't have to prove anything to me, okay? Uh, That kid doesn't have to prove anything to me, I don't think, or anybody else. But I think the backup quarterbacks really should have an opportunity, and there should be a plan, and they should get a lot of reps. So if something was to happen to Caleb, they could win a football game. Not say, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen Oh, my gosh, this is what's going to happen. We're ready. We're prepared. The kids have confidence in Miller, Moss, or whoever. And go out and do that. And I think you can build that up this spring. And I think that uh, your quarterback, Caleb, is almost like another coach on the field. Yes, he's going to get his reps. Yes, he's going to throw the football. Yes, he's going to be in shape. But, I mean, I'm going to keep this kid in shape so he doesn't get injured. But I'm going to make sure he doesn't get injured. But he doesn't have to prove anything to me, Okay. Uh, what he has to do is we got to get our team ready as far as for the future as well as if something happens to him. So that's the first thing we're going to do. And the second thing I'm going to do, we're going to run the football. And I'm going to prove to everybody that I believe in the football as far as running the football. We're going to run the football with different series we're going to move the pocket. We're going to protect our quarterback. We're going to bootleg. We're going to have passes off our bootleg. If necessary, we're going to go into double tight and have the victory formation and push into the end zone. We're going to do the things that we need to face in any type of football game to win that or get that first down. And we're going to be damn good at it, too. And I would not stop a drill until I was satisfied with that drill. And if we got to do the drill over again, we'd stop. We'd forget the next drill. we would going do this period over. So the kids understand the importance of all the drills you do during practice. I used to do a drill when we haven't never even took the football on the field at, at, during our first period because I said if you can't line up properly and you can't cover motions properly and you don't know the formations properly, How in the hell, why do we need a football out here? But you can't even line up properly (laughs) as far as coverages, right? So uh, there'd be a period of time that I would make sure that they all knew the coverages. They all knew what to do in the motions. Uh, The offense would come out run all their formations and the defense with all their coverages would have to learn that so that they felt confident that when the ball came out and they snapped the football, they knew what to do. They didn't have to learn about all the formations or what I'd and what i do in the coverage and so on. They were ready to play football. So I think you can't be, you know, you assume a lot too much that kids remember everything and they know everything, and you try to teach in the classroom as far as in videos and chalkboards and all that, but you don't learn that. way. Well, you learn looking at something on the field, performing it, and getting used to doing that. So I used to say, less time in the room, more time on the field, and let's get it done. And so we all feel confident about it. But that I would learn to become a football team, do more physical type of activities. Don't worry about the things we're good at. Improve on the things we haven't been very good at.
0: Yeah. Um, real quick, before we get to, we have a couple more questions. I just saw a tweet um, from Ian Rappaport and also Tom Pellicero. So guys that cover the NFL. Uh, Tom Pellicero originally said that uh, Andrew Voorhees, you know, he's a top 100 prospect for the NFL draft feared to have suffered a torn ACL during drills at the combine on Sunday per his source. But somehow Voorhees did the bench press the following morning, which would be Monday morning uh, and pumped out 38 reps of 225 pounds with one leg on the ground. And then Ian Rappaport followed up with, it's a clean ACL tip for Andrew Voorhees, a source said, then he did the most reps, in a combine this morning after the injury. So um, just a really unfortunate situation with, uh, you know, Voorhees tearing his ACL. uh, You know, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, with the draft or anything. I mean, he'll be, you know, he'll eventually be on an NFL team, but pretty impressive that he put out uh, 38 reps coach uh, after that injury.
1: Yeah, it is. It really is too bad. But, you know, you work so hard to get ready for that. And that's one thing about the Combine. Some people don't want to perform in the Combine, especially when you know where you're going to be taken high. But some guys that are on the bubble are working as hard as they can to impress people going up or going down. You know, myself, you know, I think the Combine's a waste of time. I think it's great to see the players out of uniform and be able to test them and see how high they can jump and how fast they can run. But I'm more interested to see how fast they run with a football uniform on or how high they jump with a football uniform on or how they perform with a football uh, in their hand. Uh, I'm not interested in uh, recruiting a uh, track star or a basketball player. I think it's great to know who you're going to uh, recruit. But again, you know, uh, I mean, let's face it. Boyd just had a history of injuries, right? We know that. So he just, you know, it's just too bad. He goes and tries and, and here he's now, he's injured in it, you know. But, I mean, yeah, there'll only be two or three guys that this happens to. But I, I think the combine is good. But, hey, they spend a billion How much? How many times do you have to watch a player to decide if he can play or not? How many times? I mean, I think they just have money to spend money. They don't have anything <laughs> else to do. I really don't. They pretend, well, if they're going to do it, I'm going to do it. I. The way I understand it, I don't know if it's true or not, I understand the Rams don't even go to it. Now, I don't know, but I understand that. So, you know, I I like to see it when they're on a football uniform on and when they're having to block a guy that's coming at him full speed. You know, that's the way I look at it. It's nice to be fast and so on, how fast you are when you're carrying 10 pounds worth of equipment. You know, equipment affects some players more than others as far as how they carry that equipment. Some people can run the same speed. Some people slow down, so you know those are some of the things I look at. I mean, you know, there's all they're all sitting in the stands, they all got their computers, and you know they got all their electrical equipment and look busy as hell. And uh, you know, who knows?
0: Yeah. All right, we got a couple more questions. Dan, class of '62, says. Uh, Can you discuss the relative power of the NCAA versus the Big Ten and the SEC in college football? Does the NCAA still have power to keep a college from playing football for a year like they did with SMU? Can they take away scholarships like they did to USC? If the NCAA no longer has that power, I would applaud that because the NCAA was always much too political and catered to those schools who had representatives in the NCAA hierarchy. An offensive lineman in the NFL stated that the offensive line coach at Alabama had paid him regularly while he was at Alabama and Saban got no penalties. I'm so glad that USC is now in a true power conference fight on uh, Dan class of 62. And he says, P.S. Uh, Marion Morrison, better known as John Wayne quit the USC football team because he had to choose between college football or a movie career. Glad that current players can do both.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, they used to work at the studios. If you remember on their, uh, summer jobs and uh, the MCAA said, Oh no, you got an advantage because he used to pay him pretty well. You can't work at the studios. That that's, that's not fair. That's not fair. You have an advantage over all these other schools, you know? Uh, well, hell uh, buy those guys, all John Deere tractors. <laughs> and, uh, Let them go out and do that, you know. Uh, They don't have to go to those schools. They can go to the school they want to go to, and if they're good enough, they can go to SC and work in the movie studios. Uh, If They can work in the uh, oil fields, which I know down in Texas, those guys used to go out and work in the oil fields and make big-time money, really, in Oklahoma. So some advantages in areas have more uh, for kids to do and make money than others. But, you see, now it's still the same way it's still the same way except it's uh, interpreted differently okay so uh yeah i, I you know I, I i don't know uh if whatever you, you know you want to hear i i just don't i don't like uh, subsidizing college football players i think college is something that you pay a price for you have to learn to sacrifice to get something and uh, you have to accomplish something to learn something And you have to learn about loyalty, the things for a team, a university. And it stays with you forever. I mean, some of these kids, what university are they going to be attached to as far as they say, I went there? Uh, Some of them went to a lot of different... I don't know. I I mean, I'm old school, guys. I think a guy should be able to have a great summer job. But now, really, how many great summer jobs can kids have because they go to school year-round? Kids are graduating and... Uh, after three years and then getting their MA degree and so on. That was unheard of before unless you had a redshirt year and then you were able to graduate in four and get another year of education and so on. But today it's a whole different deal. I don't know how that all works academically where they can do these things. The guys are getting their MBAs and still playing college football. I think it's great. I wish I could have done that. But I don't understand how it all
0: happens. Yeah, and real quick, the NCAA is still the NCAA. Like they still oversee everything. They run, you know, the presidents. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no oh, change in power structure with that. Like the Big Twelve. No. The-
1: they're they're still around. Yeah. Jerry Tarkidia used to say it the best. He says when North Carolina got in trouble, they put Cleveland State on probation. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly what he used to say. That's exactly what to say. Until they decided that USC was a target, was they were winning too much. Pete Curls were winning too many national championships. So they decided it was USC's turn. Yeah. So they came in with that irridiculous, send the Heisman Trophy back, do this, do that, stay off of campus. I mean, please, guys. Those guys, hey, really, some of you guys might be administrators, okay? But, man, I don't know how you got there.
0: Yeah. Crazy. One last one. Crazy. Rick, Crazy. Yeah, Rick, yeah. Matt Leiner actually did an Instagram story because it was Reggie Bush's birthday a couple of days ago. And Matt Leiner did an Instagram story about Reggie needing the Heisman back and stuff. So still people talking about um, Rick in uh, Los Al. He says uh, quick question, maybe just me, but seeing Gary Patterson out there floating around, is there a reason he hasn't been retained as an assistant or at least a well-paid consultant recruiting and defense can only ad- uh, advance and lock in a formidable coaching staff. Um, fight on. Uh, go time camp. Come fast enough. Lovely show. Um, thanks, for Lo- Rick and Los Al. And he says you're going to love our QB, Malachi Nelson. The Los Al quarterback is uh, coming in there. What Gary Patterson was on the Sark staff, right? The Texas staff yeah. um, as right. a consultant. I mean, I think he's probably highly paid consultant there. Uh, but I, I don't. I haven't heard anything else about him lately. I don't know if you have, coach.
1: He was there. I think he left. I don't know where he went. But uh, he was being considered, I know, for the UNLV job at one time. And uh, Barry Odom got it from Arkansas. But he was up for that job. I think he was one of the finalists in that job. But I don't know what happened after that. No, I don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was, well, at least his Wikipedia page still says till present. So he came there last year. He's a special assistant to the head coach. Um but yeah i don't know uh oh wait no he's gone he has actually gone from longworths football uh so he's st- oh, oh okay so there was a there's a story just recently let me look at this real quick uh he's stepping away from college football um the former tcu coach turned special teams special assistant to the texas head coach steve Sarkeesian is now uh at a good time to explore some other avenues in his life okay so that was just a couple of days ago so maybe that's why the Question came in, but yeah, it looks like he just stepped away. Um, so yep, we'll see. Maybe, I didn't know. Uh-uh. Yeah, maybe he emerges somewhere else. But um, all right, coach. Well, uh, good, quick show, and uh, looking forward to seeing you out there on Wednesday and uh, getting your thoughts next week on what you see. Uh, take you know copious notes and uh, let us know uh, everything you're talking I'm, about.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing you, Ryan, and all the guys. You know, our regular sandbox, sandbox crew uh say hi to everybody watch uh 15 minutes 20 minutes of practice we all form our own opinions and then share it with our listeners and you write a lot of columns and so on and get a lot of information out there and and then again I probably won't show up again I'm being honest uh until the spring game because uh, I don't need to watch people stretch okay <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I think if that's the way they want to do it, that's fine with me. Every coach has his own way of doing things. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it hurts, I think, the uh, the publicity. I think the people that really want to know about USC football, and makes it harder at you. You have a website, a service. I think it makes it harder on all of us to try to share what we see with all of our listeners out there that don't have the opportunity to go to practice or if they went to practice, they can't get into practice because they're not letting anybody in. So, uh, I just, uh, something I don't, I don't agree with and, and I used to love play uh, people at my practices because I thought the kids practiced harder, okay? And uh, there isn't any secrets in football. If my guy's better than your guy, I'm going to beat you, okay? So, uh, if I'm doing a decent job, so, but different people have different philosophies, you yeah. know?
0: All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. It was uh, good chatting with you, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week and everyone else out there. Thank you so much for listening to the latest edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.